0: All right, hello, and welcome to
1: RealCom's first installment in our three-part cybersecurity and privacy series. I'm Chuck longer, president of NiceNets Consulting, your RealCom's host for today's webinar, all about IT security. Thank you for tuning in to the live session or viewing this as a recording. You'll notice a different format again today as we maximize the panel discussion with a dynamic group of corporate it and executive level consultants i think you're really going to enjoy this but before we get started let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience thank you to our live attendees we encourage you to use the q a box on the bottom left of your screen to submit questions and comments we want to hear from you so don't be shy especially with this group uh, we'll try to get to all the questions, but if we don't get them answered during the webinar, we'll follow up a few once the event is concluded. And we'll have some polls too for your uh, participation. You'll find today's presentation and a more comprehensive presenter bio in the handout section of your go-to webinar control. For the best webinar experience, we do recommend closing out any other internet applications, especially streaming videos. Yes, I know Pinocchio with Tom Hanks was released today on Disney Plus, but be a good boy or girl and let your conscience be your guide. Stick with us, you'll learn more. If you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, video quality, the best thing to do is disconnect and click on the webinar link again. And you can also email Ian at I-T-H-O-N-P-S-O-N at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry again, you won't miss anything because You're going to receive a link to the webinar recording later on today. This educational webinar is supported by our outstanding technology partners. On today's panel, we have representatives from 5Q and Five Rivers. 5Q are commercial real estate and technology experts. 5Q understands the intricacies and inner workings of commercial real estate's legacy technology systems and they provide technology and cybersecurity management in all CRE sectors. Five Rivers Information Technology is a compliance and security focused IT solutions company providing organizations with business centric IT services that optimize your operations, manage risk, and deliver measurable value to its customers. We're grateful for all of the contributions by these service providers to our industry to realcom and to educating our viewers in sessions like these. If you are having discussions in your organization about how terrible your managed service provider is, uh, tickets taking forever to get resolved, monthly rates that are going through the roof, or you're not getting direction on how to protect against IT cyber threats, give both of these companies a call. They will get you straightened out. I'm just telling you right now. So to get a feel for our audience, I want to run uh, three polls. I do ask for your participation. And I'm going to bring on to our um, our moderator, Sandy Jacqueline. We'll talk about it a little bit. Sandy is the Senior Vice President and Chief Technical Officer at Empire Real Estate Trust. Welcome, Sandy. Hey, Chuck. Good to see you. Good, good. Making sure you can uh, hear everything. Let's take a look at these three polls, and we're going to we're going to run them fairly quickly and encourage our audience to do. Let's do poll number one on what is your role at your organization so we can get a feel for who our audience is. I think, Sandy, we've covered most of the roles here, so they should be able to pick something, even if it's just other, I guess, in some sense.
2: Yeah, and and for us, it's all about knowing our audience so we can help as we talk through cyber um, and just have some good conversation. We can focus it on our audience and we know with cyber, there's really no one size fits all
1: program. Right, okay. So you probably, uh, you probably uh, did really well on that question because you know what you're doing, right? But let's talk about this one. What is your IT cyber maturity level? And we've got some examples there. So uh, feel free to answer any of those questions uh, and get that. This one's probably a little bit harder because you got to Uh, Decide where you're at on the on the scale. I don't know if uh, I don't know how many. What's your what's your guess, Sandy, on uh, pleading the fifth here? You know, I think it's. Listen, we're going to
2: have integrators. We're going to have public companies, private companies. So it's going to be a little bit of you know different for everybody because we all have to live up to different benchmarks. You know, if you're a publicly traded company, you have more stringent standards and you're probably a little bit further along and you know, I think in some cases people aren't sure where they actually fit in um, amongst their peers, which hopefully, you know, as part of our conversation today with the great panel right, that
1: we yeah, have, And I think that's something we get from RealCom too. When you when you attend a RealCom event, you start interacting with your peers. It you start seeing what other people are doing, and you and and they some of them have already stepped on the landmine, so maybe you can avoid some of that, right? And that is the the one best part about the RealCom
2: community is we're all here for each other and we have been through it and if we haven't been through it we will at some point or we know somebody who has and you know for those you know out in the audience or that'll be watching the recording i guarantee you that if you connect with or reach out to any of us on this panel including chuck with a question or you're unsure reach out to us we're all here for each other you know the one nice thing about real estate you know, CIOs and CTOs and, and CISOs and just in general, is we're a community. We're a small community, and we don't have the same kind of competitive nature as brokers because we're not talking about deals. We're talking about, you know, core infrastructure and keeping our businesses going because it's brand
1: and reputation to the entire industry. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, we're going to do one more. This one's speaking of uh, speaking of hitting the fan here. Uh, we're going to assume here that if uh, if 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 a company is Hit with ransomware and we're going to ask, what would you do? What would you recommend uh, for your chief uh, your senior executives? Uh, and, and in some cases it's probably much more like it, it's it depends. But if we can get an idea of what you know what what you think here that might be worthy of a little bit of a discussion. So uh, I'll take another second or two to throw that one out. And uh, and we will then- be talking about this today, and
2: you know, what are some of the key factors that go into the decision of you know pay not to pay stall try and push off the decision as long as you can and and those are all things that again every situation is different and i think it's gonna you know be some very interesting dialogue with the great panel that we
1: have yeah it's good speaking of panel let's go ahead and bring them in and then we'll review the results together so um all right so everybody else can turn their cameras on we have uh Ian Fegan, he's the Chief Technology Officer at Jamestown. Cecilia Lee is a Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Urban Edge Properties. Don Goldstein is the CEO of 5Q. And Sadovjit Singh is the CEO of Five Rivers IT. Welcome, everyone. Everybody's uh, good morning. Uh, all right, good. We okay. just want to make sure we can hear everybody. Uh, let's take a look, look at what we got for the roles. Let's see. So uh, executive level, <clears throat> IT, those are uh, clearly the, the bulk of, and operations. So compliance is, uh, you know, again, a good good opportunity to, to have uh, that group. And then vendor consulting other. So that seems to be our largest uh, collection. So uh, it's, a good mix. it's a good mix. It is a good mix. So that'll help with the discussion a little bit. All right, let's talk about the uh, maturity levels. um a good a good number advanced i think the uh tabletop exercises are great i think uh, you, you know you i'm sure you guys will probably address those a little bit more intermediate uh that's probably at the beginning no finding so far that's always real good uh we did get five percent i did not uh, of, of pleading the fifth so uh that may be uh that may be those that want to have a little bit more guidance after this, so uh, we've got some great panel. I'm going to go ahead and get off, so we can get on with it. And Sandy, uh, it's all yours, so enjoy. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Chuck, and um, it's great to see all the panelists, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to, you know, just really you know chatting and having some great conversation. So, you know, as as we look at some of the impact that cyber has had on the world that we're in, I know in talking to people, there are still companies out there that wonder why do they need a cybersecurity program? Why do they need to even Mm -hmm. think about it? And, you know, let's talk, let's start off by talking, why do we need a cyber panel and then rather, you know, cyber program? And then how does it differ based on, you know, the size of your firm, whether it's public, whether you're private, because each one's taken to a different level. And, and Don, I'm going to start with you, because I know in, you know, your world, you're getting to talk to a variety of companies of all different
0: shapes and sizes. Yeah, thanks, Sandy. The fact that we're even asking the question is a bit disconcerting. Um, And I think uh, the reason for that is we've come a long way in this industry to finally arrive at this point. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that the vast majority of responders to that poll question are either intermediate and advanced. Um, that's, that's telling because two, three years ago, that was not the case. There were probably more in the moderate, um, intermediate and maybe just beginning. So, um, it, I think people are realizing, most companies are realizing it's not a matter of if something happens, it's when something happens. Uh, and even if you're advanced and you do everything you can possibly do to protect yourself, you interact with third parties in that supply chain all the time and they're a threat, not just to themselves but to you. And so that's one of the reasons I think that that this is so important that we're having this discussion. And when we talk about private versus public companies, we're seeing more regulation, more guidance around disclosure. Um, there are certain privacy laws that are taking root in, in different states and across the globe. All of those things are gonna drive certainly public companies, but even private companies have investors. Um, Private companies flow money through real estate. And so it really doesn't matter whether you're public or private. When you're public, you have to answer to a board. That's a little different Mm -hmm. than the executive committee of a private firm. But we're all getting the questions um, coming to us about our cybersecurity programs. We need to be prepared. And certainly we're going to talk, I'm sure, about cyber insurance. If you have no program, you won't be insurable. And if you have a program, there's no guarantee that you will be, and you'll still be paying a lot of money for that insurance. So it behooves every company to be thinking about this.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and you're right. And it, it is um, the cost
2: involved of remediation. And we're, ta- we're only focusing on IT today, by the way. We're not even focusing on OT, which is a whole different animal that brings in a different level of, of, of concern. Sharab, uh, what are your thoughts? on why companies should have a cybersecurity program
4: so you know echoing what don said it's uh, you know it's a regulatory compliance requirements it's a fiduciary responsibility for company execs uh, to have a cybersecurity program you know to it execs and company execs um, you know going tactical it helps you mitigate uh, your business impact from a cybersecurity incident. If you have a program in place, uh, you know both proactive and reactive uh, measures uh, that you put in place, uh, impacts you know, of an incident could be productivity, your data protection, financial reputation, obviously. Um, and then once you have a program in place, you go through a formal exercise, you'll better realize you know, what various factors affect your data security for your company. You can assign proper risk levels uh, for your business. Uh, A program will help you materialize an action plan, a tactical plan. Uh, You can set priorities based on risk levels. Uh, It will make it easier, uh, maybe not easy, but easier to convince management uh, to get their buy-in, to allocate better budget for uh, various cyber initiatives uh, that you might uh, have uh, as part of this plan
2: you know it's interesting and, and i've been fortunate at, at empire State realty trust because senior management didn't need to be convinced that we needed a, a cybersecurity program which made my job easy because the the team that's here really has done a great job of making sure that management understands but you know cecilia let me ask you you know how have you spent time convincing your management team that you need a cybersecurity program and how have they responded and how have you navigated over the last couple of years? Mm-hmm.
5: Um, I think I'm going to go to numbers, right? I think the numbers tells you what to do. Uh, and so one of the things, you know, fact, factually, we have, you know, in 2021, the fourth quarter of 2021, the number of reporters, reported data breaches already surpassed the previous year's totals, right? And and, and and historically in 2020, they had already reached a, a, a big number. Um, so collectively about 281 million people had been infected by a data breach in 2021. And while cybercrime caused companies uh, a lot of money. We're talking about 1.79 million dollars per minute. I mean, those numbers are staggering and, and, and they're they're scary, right? And so this year alone, by the first quarter of this year, we ca- we saw yet another increase of. 14% as compared to last year. So, you know, the numbers really are telling you where we need to focus on. And while in, you know, back in the day, you know, IT had different functions or maintaining the operations, keeping the lights on, you know, it's very obvious that now the role of technology, it's it's more than just, you know, uh, uh, infrastructure and help us. It, it really, it, it's part of the operations and to make, making sure that we are, Keeping our companies safe, right? So when we're talking about how, how we're convincing our management, you know, I think the cyber the the topic of cybersecurity is not just a, a topic that is within the technology uh, um, the technology roles. You know, our 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 board members are very well aware. Our executive team. Talks about it amongst themselves, so you know it. it It's the effort to convince them. It's not. It's not. So it's not. uh It doesn't take that much effort, only because that that's a real topic and it's tangible.
2: You know, it's interesting because as a as a publicly traded company. You know, I report to the board on a quarterly basis about cybersecurity and what's going on. And I think you know one of the most interesting dynamics, though, is not only is our senior management convinced, but our senior management verily clearly states cybersecurity is not only IT's responsibility, but it's the responsibility of everybody in the firm because we all know that, you know, people are the weakest link in in cybersecurity. So, Ian, how about you over at Jamestown?
3: Well, I think the gap between, you know, requirements of, you know, a public company versus a private company is really – you know closed people you know investors aren't going to give you money if you don't have uh you know this in place you know a plan incident response plan et cetera. and then you know also the the cost of a data breach you know whether it's uh you know fines uh you know if you're subject to certain regulations you know GDPR TCPA then you know the the fines are just astronomical and uh Know, unfortunately i find still um and hopefully this is kind of going away a lot of times it takes a breach to get people uh you know to invest in and realize like um you know this is this is important you know outside of obviously it folks
2: yeah when well, it goes to to your point having a breach it's brand and reputation and You know, when a lot of us have iconic buildings, that's the last thing you want to do, because somebody who's in the middle of doing a deal may stop because their data is now is now out there. You know, so so at Jamestown, um, taking it to the next step, how did you start your cybersecurity journey?
3: Um, Well, I mean, if I go way back, uh, you know, I initially got, um, Mm. you know, when the blaster worm came out, you know, uh, mid 2000s. I really got interested in it and studied it and I wanted to understand it and you know so when we when I started here at Jamestown it was somewhat of a focus but it was still uh you know not um it was still trying to difficult to try to get some money for it and then um you know you see breaches around and you discuss them with the the C suite um and they're very quick when they see you know another company or a friend of theirs company got hit then um you know they're really uh willing to let you do what you need to do to protect our data,
2: yeah Don, how about you um you and i are you know old timers in this this industry, so we've seen a change in our roles have changed. so
0: how did you get into this path? Uh, Well, so I made um, the decision to move into a CISO role from a CIO role. Um, Not sure exactly why uh, I made that decision. Uh, I just know I've been close to IT for decades um, in real estate for 23 years now. Um, And when I made that transition, I realized I, I know it from a CIO perspective, but not from a CISO perspective. And I decided to go back to school so so i went to carnegie mellon and went through their CISO certification course which is a pretty rigorous program um and and that's when i got steeped in you know pretty much across the board in all the areas of of cyber and then having to come back and apply that to uh, the commercial real estate industry in a very large commercial real estate services company that's global Um, afforded me the opportunity to see a lot of things I don't think I could have seen anywhere else. Um, And so, uh, but I I really feel like it was, the time was right right, to get into cybersecurity and to focus on it. Um, And then I've tried very hard to bring that same passion to Realcom, and now with the REC, um, it's been a great journey. And certainly working with all the colleagues in the industry The support we have of each other is, as you pointed out, Sandy, um, this isn't a competitive thing. This is how we can all get better. And and so that's what I choose to focus on now in working with a lot of uh, commercial real estate firms.
2: I have to ask you a quick question. Do you feel that the fact that you had the CIO networking experience and knowledge of how it all comes together help you as you transitioned into a CISO because you can understand that if something happens here, it can affect everything over here versus some people that look very vertically and, and
0: one dimensional. It, it's two things really, Sandy. It's, it's one, speaking the language of the business, because it's very easy to start to get very technical. And since I started with the business side and gravitated to the technical side, um, I, I try to be very careful about that, um, especially when you're talking to a board and an audit committee uh, and, and senior management. You can't let the eye start to glaze over or you lose that audience. So, so that's that's really the first thing. The other thing is just working with all the constituents. You know, as was pointed out, it's everybody's problem in the organization. And so working within IT, the, the security team depends on the infrastructure team, depends on the application team. There's such an incredible interdependency between everyone. And you're just trying to bring awareness. And then working with the business leads and understanding, again, what their crown jewels are, what you're trying to protect. We can't spend money on everything. So we have to focus on what's really important and what the real impacts um, and probability of of threat vector is.
2: Cecilia, I mean, I've known you a long time as well. And, you know, you started out very differently in the industry and, you know, you now focus quite a bit on cyber. How did you how did you make that jump?
5: I mean, I, I I I wear many hats in this organization. Cyber is just one of them, right? I, it, there, there there's still a whole bunch of other stuff that that my my daily responsibilities include. But cyber is something that is, you know, as many of us already said, is super important. Uh, and in of of much focus, right? Um, and so when I started at Urban Edge, uh, I needed to understand our environment. And uh, at first sight, you know, we have an infrastructure team that we clearly were keeping the lights on. Um, and we were in the midst of migrating our servers to the cloud. But I really wanted to know if we had formal policies or whether they were any controls implemented in our systems, right? Uh, you know, questions like, do we know what our data is and are, and are our assets classified? Uh, do we have any formal governance or risk management strategy? Um, you know, when we're talking about protection, you know, our systems patch in accordance with the security and vendor uh, and vendors best practices. Uh, do we conduct awareness trainings? Uh, do we, you know, h- how do we protect? How do we tech? How do we respond? Right. And so, you know, at that point, especially because I was just uh joining this company, I had to understand that and and from that point i just i decided to and i needed to quickly gain gain understanding so i decided to engage a a third party um uh third party uh company to uh go through this exercise to perform an assessment and help establish the baseline on our security posture and risk risk exposure. So uh that that's how we started here at Urban Edge and uh on our journey. And uh yeah, it's been it is it's been it has been it has been quite interesting because as you all know, it doesn't end, right? It's just you keep building on top of it and you keep keep maturing as new threats uh emerge.
2: Well, and the landscape changes. You know, we haven't, it looks like all five of us happen to be in the office today, which is unusual. You know, we live in a hybrid world and I can tell you one of the metrics that we look at literally daily is occupancy, and the you know the peaks and valleys of Monday and Friday being lower occupancy days in the middle of the week, and I think that's a trend for all of real estate. Um, so Rob, you know with that hybrid work environment that we live in, you know the the risks and exposures to a corporate network and corporate infrastructure and breaches, you know, have changed. You know, people are you know connecting to the Wi-Fi of their neighbor, you know how do you see companies trying to be able to control that and mitigate some of the risks
4: sure so you know the bring your own device risk uh, existed before covid and and uh, work from home became more prevalent Uh, so there were measures in place companies were trying to catch up uh, to mitigate these byod risks like working from home working from anywhere uh, using your own device Uh, So, there are, you know, technology also uh, has been evolving. Uh, You have ability to enforce MFA across the board now. There are uh, much better uh, data loss prevention solutions out there uh, that can be implemented. Uh, Still not very easy to do, uh, has its challenges, but but they are available. Uh, You have uh, conditional access policies, a lot of companies are trying to pivot back to a more controlled uh, method of having VPNs and you can only work uh, by the login to a VDI uh, and things like that. Companies are pivoting to not allowing BYOD and and you have to use corporate devices that have all the controls in place uh, to access company resources. you know technologies like in tune with conditional access policies allow you to do that now so uh, you know depending on it, it's it, is it uh, within reach of every company to implement this uh, maybe not but but i think uh, there are sufficient tools out there that can help uh, companies to face this challenge right to, to mitigate this risk
2: And I will tell you that you you said two things that are really important and there's really no cost involved, you know, conditional access, you know, particularly if you're a Microsoft Azure shop, you're setting up some rules and applying them. And MFA, it's not like the old days where you had to buy, you know, a third party package. And those are critical. And, you know, to, to Don's point earlier that he made, if you try and get cyber insurance and you don't have MFA implemented for your entire company. That's right. You will not get insured. And insurance companies have gotten smart. It's no longer a yes-no answer because, yes. you know, oh yeah, we have MFA on on board, but you know, you have a small part. It's, you know, what percentage of the firm, what percentage of senior executives who are the one with the most risk? So, you know, you hit on some really, really, you know, critical points. Um, and then sorry, go ahead.
4: Uh, one thing i would you know as a recommendation whenever any company is doing a security analysis let's say they want to go with a new saas application they want to deploy new technology always include that lens of a byod user how will this implementation uh, be ha- how will this implementation handle security for a byod user so that must always be uh, accounted for for any change you're making in your uh, technology footprint, and that, that'll really help mitigate this in the long run.
2: So, Ian, I'm going to ask you the same question about the hybrid work environment, and how are you, how are you dealing it as a you know kind of owner manager, and you know, have people at least in the office part of the time, but I'm guessing you're like us where you know there's a balance to attract good talent.
3: Sure, sure. I mean, we try to uh, you know provide devices where possible. Um, but of course, you know, people are gonna bring their own devices, as as we all know. And it's all about being able to manage those endpoints, you know, whether it's a laptop or um, mobile devices, you know, to ensure that they have, you know, whether it's your own, you know, provided antivirus, um, you know, and we try to limit, okay, um, you know, you can't access our network If these requirements aren't met and it's not something that a person can necessarily do and watch you have to have policies um, you know and and a solution in place that can accommodate that
2: how how much time have you you and James had invested on training the employees because I think that's a big part of it is the education so they understand that what they're doing is a risk
3: uh, we do quite a bit. I mean, we do obviously, you know, the phishing campaigns, et cetera. One thing we make sure to do to really bring uh, visibility is, you know, uh, Cyber Awareness Month in October. We do something called uh, Hacktober that we created. And it's, you know, whether it's leaving sensitive stuff um, over by the printer, you know, papers with sensitive data, you know, random USB laying around the office. Um, last year we did and and what I call the office creeper. Had someone come in to see, okay, if people are going to report this, you know, if they're in one of the executive offices. And, you know, thankfully uh, they did. And I was very uh, pleased with that. So, you know, I, I always find either, uh, you know, some sort of gamification of it or um, obviously uh, monetary or other prizes always helps and and you know just keeps it at the at the forefront yeah i
5: i agree with that uh the the whole awareness training how, how important that is not only in the hybrid work but uh, it's just in general it, the constant education the constant reminder you know I, I read somewhere where it's not just about you know doing a big massive training or one big massive training it's that constant right that constant reminder so that it's always in the back of people's heads um, and the gamification uh uh you know that's an a strategy that i i follow here or, or that I implement here um because i do find that it gets people engaged and it's not boring it's not dry um, and, and what my my experience tells me is that when you're doing gamification it it's not just suiting uh the, the younger generations right it's really for everybody from from the younger generations to our our executives um they really love it i mean it, from a a, fun, a funny story is i was i was in a meeting with uh, w- one of our executives and all of a sudden on the call i hear i hear this loud yeah and and i'm wondering you know what's that sound turns out it is our general counsel who was really excited because he actually passed one of the, uh, one of the um, awareness um, tests that I was, uh, the uh, fishing tests that I had, that I was setting out. And it, you know, it's really exciting because they're like, you know, I got it, right? And we do great people and, and, and it's just fun. And, and, and it gets people excited that they really are being a part of uh, helping protect the organization.
3: I agree with that, too. Um, You know, and I find also or I have found that, you know, if you relate, you know, both from the, you know, corporate side to the personal side, you know, that people really accept that as well. You know, uh, how do you protect your personal data outside of uh, corporate? And, you know, so I find that people really listen and enjoy if, if they can kind of take that home with them.
2: You know, and I'll tell you, you know, Cecilia, you know, on the gamification and and the, you know, a C-level being so excited about that and posting a certificate on their their wall. It also sends the message to everybody that not only is it important, but if he or she is personally taking, you know, the, the test and going through the process, it shows how much they're committed and it really sends a deep message to the organization that this really is everybody's problem so you know hats off to you and being able to accomplish that and I, I think that there's a lesson in there because it really sends a message to everybody that it really is everybody's problem and it's you know senior executives which are the targets yeah. are the ones that we most need to train so well right. well done.
5: Especially because ransomware attacks and phishing are still the number one and number two root causes of how these these attacks, cyber attacks, are happening. Right. So this is why we put we put so much emphasis on 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 that on training.
2: So so Dom, let me ask you a question because you know we're fortunate, you know, uh, at, you know, Urban Edge, Jamestown, ESRT, and several other companies. You know, we have CISOs, we have CIOs that have you know a wealth of cyber knowledge but you know listen there are a lot of smaller or medium sized firms out there that don't that you know maybe they have a network manager and they just know the 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 nuts and bolts of running a network and keeping the lights on you know as a, a firm that you know talks to a lot of different companies you know what should they be hearing from their security managed service provider as far as steps to take, guiding them? What are some of the best practices and, and what are some of the
0: things that you're hearing and that they should be hearing from you? Yeah, well, that's a great question, Sandy. And, you know, when I sat on the other side, what I wanted to hear from the third parties that serviced us was, are you bringing us ideas and solutions? Are you bringing us um, recommendations for how we can improve on a constant basis? or are, you know is it just something you do once a year when you do an assessment so that constant feedback that looking at, at the threats that are out there because if a, if a service provider is doing their job they're seeing across a wider spectrum of companies they're seeing those threats themselves they're seeing what's happening in other companies they need to be bringing those best practices um, to their clients and and the re- and one of the reasons for that is when you do an assessment, in my experience, the first thing the executives or the board ask is how are we doing versus the competition? Are, are, are we, are we behind everybody else or are we, are we just trying to catch up or are we keeping up with everybody else? Are we even a step ahead? That doesn't mean everybody needs to be, um, you know, run like a financial institution, like a bank, right? Um, that has different kinds of threats, you know, thrown at them. But if, if they're doing their homework, they're helping you understand what your crown jewels are. they're helping you understand what your threat surface is that you're trying to protect, and they're bringing those practices do you, are you do you not only have the policies are they current? Are you updating those policies? Is it getting communicated? It's one thing to be talking about you know um security awareness It's another thing to be talking about following the procedures and the processes. The change management process we have in place, the patching process we have in place, because all of those things are the soft underbelly of companies where um, the bad guys are getting in right they're looking for the path of least resistance, and is is everyone in the organization paying attention to those things and now holding we don't someone have- accountable. And we always
2: have that one user that has too many windows open, too many apps open, and doesn't want to reboot the machine, so the patches don't apply, and, and keep their passwords on Chrome. Please don't do
5: that. <laughs> That's right.
2: Hey, Rob, from from your side, um, what what are some of the things that you're hearing, and you think that you know small, middle-sized companies should be thinking about when it comes to hiring and engaging with a managed service provider? But
4: right. so. Uh, I think everybody expects uh, a certain level of VCSO service from their MSPs today, right? A small company, mid-sized company. Uh, every MSP must have uh, a baseline cybersecurity program uh, that can be applied to any size company. And obviously you have to perform an assessment, see what that company's exact needs are, uh, then you know, change the template a little bit to suit their needs. You know, could be a uh, you know basic information security policy, an acceptable use policy, uh, that then gets uh, modified for that company. Uh, for smaller companies, these programs are more tactical, right? An MSP should should be more tactical uh, in identifying the threat landscape for that size company. What tools need to be put in place to mitigate those risks? Uh, Mindful of budgets and agility requirements of a smaller company, uh, and this VC so kind of engagement, you know, should be uh, have should have the governance component on it for sure. Uh, you know, what's been put in place is actually being followed. Um, they should engage at least quarterly, sometimes bi- biannually for smaller companies. Engage with the the management uh, to to present the results of this ongoing governance, discuss current trends in the industry, right? Uh, The main value MSPs provide is they are siphoning information from all across the board and and then redistributing it, right? So that's very, very important uh, for an MSP to do. That's, uh, I believe, a primary value uh, that they bring. And then provide, you know, future guidance. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what we should really look at um, you know, provide uh, some kind of a GRC tool. You know, smaller companies may not be able to implement a, a governance, risk, compliance tool. MS, MSP should be able to provide uh, that as a service, so that ongoing governance, uh, third-party risk management, all that's in place, and and the client has a on-demand visibility at all times. So, you know, engagement, keeping them up to date, and being tactical uh, for that size company, I think, is is what MSPs need to do.
2: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you one of the things that when I talk to MSPs that we also look for is, you know, do they have policies and procedures? Because a lot of times we have policy and procedures gaps as companies, and you want to know what other people are doing. Are your policy procedures aligned with what you're seeing? So I think that's a big piece of it of sharing the knowledge. One thing that you also mentioned um, is economics. You know and you know we're in interesting times with interest rates and occupancy not being where you know we all want it to be and you know there's still some uncertainty in the market potential recession Mm -hmm. um i'll start with with cecilia and then with with ian you know how are you seeing as a real estate company the recession impacting how management perceives cyber and, and just some of the spending on cyber
5: um I think you said you're starting with me right yes yeah uh look I think ultimately it's it's on us um to present to the executive team the importance of what we're doing and why we're doing it um you know when you when you have a budget right as we all deal with one right you, you have to prioritize Right, your 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 initiatives, and so as long as you have a way to validate why you're doing it, um, and and what you're doing, I I think that the the executive team will understand. Right, here's the what, here's the why, and here's the how. And you not don't necessarily need to do achieve everything on on day one or year one right you can space it out uh, as long as you keep you, you, you make sure that you have your your um i'll call it your required exercises done every year to keep your organization protected um you the management team will will understand and i think the key here is having that uh having that, um, I'm, I'm gonna call it a script, right? Where you can really explain to your executive team why you're using it. And so with that said, you know, circle back to, circling back to your original question, you know, it, it's the, with this recession that we're, we're all worried about, you know, what's gonna, how is it gonna impact? Well, yes, it will impact, but your, your IT budget is not just cyber, right? It's so many other things that are part of it. So wh- where do you cut? right? I just don't know that cybersecurity is one area that we should, we can afford to be cutting.
2: Right. Ian, how are you looking at it at Jamestown?
3: Well, I feel that the communication is key, especially to the um, non-technical C-suite. And I think you really, you know, a lot of what they listen to on the, again, on the monetary side is what's, you know, the risk of not spending this money versus the hard and soft costs of getting hit, which is, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, when it comes down to it, a pretty easy comparison. And then making them understand, too, you know, how rapidly evolving it is right now and, uh, you know, from a cyber perspective. And, you know, if you stay stagnant, then um, it's only a matter of time.
2: You know, speaking of money, um, one of the things that I want to talk about, because this can be some big dollars, is ransomware, right? Um, Forgetting, you know, a a recession or not recession, um, that's a money, you know, if you have to write a check, that could be a really big one. So, you know, Donna, I'm I'm gonna start with you. You know, if a company, unfortunately gets hit by ransomware, um, you know, what is the thought process that they should be going through and the key decision points to
0: say, you know, pay or not to pay? Yeah, well, first of all, I think we we had the poll and I'm not sure we showed those results. Maybe we can pop those results up now just to see kind of how the audience feels about this. So not paying is half and not sure is half. Um, so that's the, it depends and not paying, I don't care what. Right so that's an interesting um response. I didn't quite expect to see that to tell you the truth um, but I'm actually- I actually feel good about that because what that tells me is that first of all um, the the first thing you have to do is when you get the ransomware attack is understand what has really happened in your environment, right what has been compromised and that's not going to be necessarily readily apparent on day one right and so um, if you get one of those pop-ups that says you know you have 48 hours to pay your ransomware the first thing you want to do is buy time right and so um there and and that may once you verify that's what's happened right and you have had uh data that's been um encrypted you can't get to it people can't do their job. Um And now you have to figure out how to recover from that, or in the worst case scenario, not only has it been encrypted, but they've started to take data that may be um confidential and are threatening to release that that's a whole different level of a ransomware attack so you you really have to understand what's happened first that that's you you've got to take your team, put them in a war room get, you know, outside help with forensics immediately and figure out what's going on and, you know, engage your team and your incident response plan. And hopefully you have one and you've tested it. And it's, and it's we're
2: gonna, we're gonna, as a tabletop. Right. Well, we're going to talk about those in a little bit, but I will tell you what's interesting is if you look at that, you know, the results, nobody said negotiation, but the way you buy time is right. actually engaging a negotiator and extending that so that you actually have time to either assess the situation or, or do, do some of the other things. So, Trev, um, I'm going to ask you the, the same question because I think this is one that I think we need to hear from everybody because it's such a different perspective right. uh, that we all have, just from people we've either, either spoken to or, you know, the plans that we have internally.
4: Right. So, you know, you perform a risk assessment. You determine the business impact, how widespread it is. Uh, You also need to look at probability of further spread, right? Is it at this point contained or it's it's still going? Um, And then really, you you, you know, you get into uh, recovery, right? Can I recover out of this? That's question number one. Do you have a backup that's still available and not encrypted? And then you go into the, the recovery time objective and, you know, in some cases, recovery point objective, right? Is my RTO good enough uh that i can bring my business back up it's you know application a is compromised i can bring it up at this time uh, or i really need what i entered yesterday right so you got an rpo issue sometimes uh, so you you have to go through the motions uh, like don mentioned hopefully you have an incident response plan uh, and you have all the stakeholders in the room with you uh, the brain trust there you're uh, not just making a decision from IT point of view This business impact your insurance company is going to be on the phone Legal is going to be on the phone, right? So and you have to kind of run it through motions uh, across all these levels And see, you know, can you recover your business a and in the time? Um, that's that works for you and that's how you kind of get to a point where whether you should pay or not
2: uh, right you know you know what's interesting um when you know i, I think about this as well and it, it's you know all these resources that you have to have lined up one of the most important ones you can restore everything but if you don't know the root cause of how they got in yep. restoring it could be an effort in futility because you could just end up back in an infinite loop so i you know part of that decision processes, do you know how they got in and have you been able to mitigate that risk and remediate? Uh, Cecilia, how do you look at it?
5: You know, I, I think, you know, I don't want to sound repetitive because there was a lot of content already said that, I, you know, I would follow as well. Uh, I think, you know, to add to that is when you're working on this, it's not you. You mentioned it yourself, Sandy. It's not just putting yourself your IT hat and how do we restore it? Because that's to your point. Are we closing that door, right, so that this doesn't continue spreading? Uh, and at the same time, are we engaging all of our business uh, parties to control this, right? This is your incident response plan, and hopefully, you know, you, your com you and your company has gone through. S- this exercise and have involved all of the different business parties because it's not it's not just your it's not just your general counsel or your compliance team it's also your business your your finance team your controller from a financial standpoint your your PR team right your marketing in case there's anything that you need to communicate immediately Uh, your HR team you know in case there's something that you need to communicate within internally to that staff so hopefully you uh, you have engaged all of your different business units to go through this assessment to make that decision, right? The other point that you need to worry about is, uh, uh, you know, whether you're private or public, you know, there's different decision-making points that you have to make, right? So as a public company, what are our obligations and to whom and, and can we make those decisions or can we take that action? So that's that's a discussion you definitely need to have internally when you're going through this uh incidence response planning and make sure that all of the different parties that I just mentioned. Are Are on the same page
2: one of the interesting things about that list and it's it's a long one from forensics to remediation to negotiators one of the things I think it's important for people to understand is you should check with your insurance carrier because they may have an approved list of people that you can use in those events and if a company is not on the list there could be some wiggle room for them to say oh they're not an approved vendor we're not going to reimburse them so yes it's it's critical to have all those lined up but you also one of the key parts will be will you get reimbursed for this money and checking with your insurance company and carrier um you know on who they have and i guarantee you they all probably on their website sit there and publish who some of their approved vendors are so i think that that's a big big piece of it. And um, I think
5: there's a fear, there's a fear of, of, you know, if I talk to my insurance, is that going to impact, you know, the, 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 the payout or the reimbursement? And, you know, this is where you need to really establish that partnership with your insurance company. And really before any event happens, get, have an understanding. What would happen in the event, like right? Let's play the scenario. If this happens, what, do you expect us to come to you and tell you right away? And if so, what is the information that you need? And 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 if so, you know, will this impact us? You know, have that conversation because it's important. Uh, like I said, like, like many of us already said, it's not if, it's when. And so the more prepared you are, the better you're going to be when that happens.
2: Yeah. Um. Ian, anything you want to add to this or should we talk about incident response plans?
3: Well, I think uh, I want to go back to something Don said about buying time, you know, and on the negotiation part, because I think that's really huge. Because, you know, when it comes to the forensic part, um, it's not just an isolated thing. I mean, if you read up on it, they've been, you know, typically doing reconnaissance on your network for months, a lot of times. So it's Mm -hmm. not as easy to say, okay, here's what happened here's what was executed. Like uh, it's, there's just so much more to it than that.
5: Right, and just because you pay the ransom, by the way, if, if the bad actor has your information, just because they pay the ransom doesn't mean that they necessarily are gonna give you the keys to the kingdom but to give it back to you, or that they're, going to, they're not gonna do something else with that information, right? Uh, so there's so many different risks that are involved that you should definitely play it out with your organization.
0: And, you know. and I think at that point, Sandy, on the incident response, we're moving in, into that direction now um, to what Cecilia said and engaging the business. Um, it, it really is important that in your incident response plan and in your tabletops, you separate out your technical from your your business executive um, exercises. They're very different. Um, and, and you want to know how your technical team is going to respond. But on the business side, again to Cecilia's point, you want to make sure that the business understands when you have an attack of any kind like this, you are not only invoking, you know, the incident response and 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 the breach and the ransomware or whatever you know threats you're facing there, you are also in business continuity mode. Because if if you're if your properties don't have access to your accounting system, if you can't if you can't pay your bills, if you can't, um, you know, invoice, um, if, if you can't collect rent, I mean, all, if you're trying to close quarter end, right? And now that's that's, you know, being threatened or you're doing some kind of transaction and that could possibly become public. All of those things now, you have to make it real to your business team and your executives about why this is important. And why you need to understand what your role is should an event like this happen.
4: Yeah. Yep. And go ahead. uh go part of that, like you know, after you kind of come out of this, uh, you know, there are certain steps uh, every company should take. Uh, you know, look look again at your RTO RPOs, right, uh, and your business continuity plan. Uh, see if you have immutable backups in place right? Uh, reassess security tools that you have in place, the EDR, or the IPS, IDS, forensic tools, you know, there has to be an exercise that uh, happens right after, you know, don't just forget about it and move on. Uh, but you have to go back and do that continuous improvement uh, exercise to so that it, it's mitigated for the next time.
2: Cecilia, what are some of your thoughts on Incident response plans, I mean.
5: Well, first you have to, if you don't, if you don't have one, you better have one right now or or, or get on it. Um, But uh, look, I think it's with any change, uh, this is yet another change. This is putting many, many hats together or or many people in a room together to come up with a decision and a call it a workflow right what happens when and what do we do uh, so definitely it's very important uh, the uh, um, you know us from a, a, a publicly traded firm uh, we have to have that uh, formalized and so every time that happens uh, every time every time an incident happens you know the, the idea is you have to go through the motions. Uh so uh you know, do you need it? Absolutely. Um if it do you what do you do while you're kind of waiting idle just to see when things happen? I would highly suggest that you go through tabletop exercises just to play it out and, and see if you're actually as a team going through the motions. I uh, and as you're going through the motions, you know, it, it's always about perfecting how else can we mod- what else can we modify so that we can continue perfecting because the threat landscape continuously changes um, and also your incident response plan you know it, it, it involves we talked about it involves uh, the, the business but who within the business does it involve how, how, who does that impact right it's not just your finance, your financial team your you know how do we how do we uh, print checks if it impacts our finance team? How how do we operate? But also from an asset management standpoint, right? How how do we how do how do our properties operate? And and, and I know that's more on the OT side, and, and there's going to be a completely different session on that. But the, the thought process is the same, right? You you want to be able to have a a, a playbook mm-hmm. that you can follow.
2: Well, but, you, you know, you think about it, though, the property management office, the leasing office, you know, a lot of cases, they're on corporate networks. Mm-hmm. So if your corporate network gets attacked, you know, the buildings may have problems operating and just getting to some of the basic information that they need. So it absolutely does impact the buildings. And you know, one of the things that we've done, and you know, you talk about literally, it's not only risk and compliance and legal, it's accounting, it's marketing. It really is, you know, somebody from almost every department is in there and, you know, it's in some form of a crisis management plan as well. You know, the communication part is is essential. We have pre-scripted messages depending on the potential for an event because the last thing you want to do in the the heat of the moment is start to think about what do I have to say? That's right. Who do I have to send it to? So these are the level of details that go into, you know, an incident response plan. Go
5: ahead. Yeah, and to add to that is, you know, that's the communication part. But, you know, if something happens or when something happens, now we have all these business teams that are, let's say, that are non functioning or non-operational. As a company, we need to come up with a decision of what goes up first. What do we, What do we bring up first? Right? So that's not an IT decision, that's a business decision. right? Sure. And this is where we're talking about asset classification and data classification. What, If you're looking at your entire organization, what type of data is our, our jewel, right? And so that's what, in that kind of order, that the business decide is what IT is going to bring things up. And so those are key conversations that must happen. Um, And unfortunately some companies just haven't even started that conversation.
0: And with this hybrid, Sandy, with this hybrid work we're in right now, it's different. If if you if you haven't updated your plan since the pandemic Mm -hmm. to account for the fact that you need to find people who aren't in the office um, and and see how they're operating and make sure that they're they're able to you know, communicate with them why why can't I get in? I mean, it's a whole different communication strategy now, I think than it was before. Um, you may have had bits and pieces of that, but it is different today.
2: yeah, and you need to review your your response plan every three to six months because the world the world we live in changes. you know you have different people, you have people you know back in the office, not back in the office. so it, it absolutely you know it it has to change continuously. it has to be reviewed continuously. Um, and you know, it's funny to, to Cecilia, to something you just said, you know, I remember back in the day when we all had business continuity plans Mm -hmm. and people would focus on the IT component of bringing up the servers, bringing up the systems, and they would forget about the people side of the house, right? You know, what's the, you know, do people come in the office? Do they not come in the office? So even though we're hybrid, you may need to communicate to people, listen, you know, stay where you are. Don't come into the office deal with remote communications whatever it may be so it's not just the technology it's also really the, the communication internally in the people and, and what do they do in moments like that so everybody understands whereas
0: so many times like i said back in the old days bcp was purely a technology focus of restoring systems and your tenants right i mean if you, if you're hit at the property level you have to what are you going to tell your tenants and and what are you going to tell your third party managers right and um and and your investors and you're bored and All the press it.
2: and what happens if once it gets out you have what's the message That's to the right. press so you're you're mitigating because again this could you know it's brand and it's reputation yes. and anybody who may be thinking about signing a lease or renewing a lease may have second thoughts depending on That's how you right. this and, and communicate
5: and and the communication is not just communicating it; it is how timely you are about communicating the situation Right, and this is where we leverage tools so that we can help our operations team be able to be to be able to communicate timely, right? So it's not just the what, right, the content, but how quickly we can well quickly within what you're working with, right? So especially so when you many don't have all the information,
0: areas. that's right? right. You don't have so. What are you communicating? You have to be 100% accurate.
2: Uh, and I think a lot of the insight that we get is through a tabletop exercise so you know let's let's talk about tabletop exercises um you know a lot of people out there probably maybe are in the process of getting ready to do their first one or they've done their first one and it didn't quite go as planned and it was a lesson learned um you you know so as we talk about you know tabletop exercises which really are are new you know what's the what have you each done as far as a focus of tabletop or what are you planning to do as far as a focus of tabletop who are you engaging into the exercise? And how is that then also just impacting you know, your incident response plan? So, Ian, let's start with you.
3: Well, I think that uh yes, making sure that the executives are you know looking at it as hey, this is serious, there's real consequences here. And then you know, getting really as the playbook, getting them to commit it to uh, muscle memory if you will because um, you know like they said it, it's uh, you know there's not time to sit there and flounder we may have 72 hours to notify um, EU residents for example um, so you know I think if you don't have the in-house expertise you need to bring someone in like 5Q or 5River I mean it's uh, it's very, very important and something that I've pushed really hard on here at Jamestown.
2: Don, talk to us about some of your experiences with with tabletop. Um, you, you know, consultants are a big piece of it because a lot of companies need somebody to walk them through, guide them through it. Or even, by the way, be the fly on the wall, so to speak, watching them go through it. To give them constructive feedback on how to do it differently and hopefully better the next time so share some of
0: your thoughts because this is an important topic it is and uh i would say you know to the points i made before this is continuous improvement you should get better every time um, you go through these um, because you're going to iterate these and and you're going to have different scenarios and you're going to learn from them hopefully you're going to tweak your response plan and then you're going to go through that again but but here's the thing that people need to understand. You have to have the right people at the table when you do these exercises, right? You have to have your, if if, if you're a property owner, you need your property manager. You need your building engineer. Um, you you need um, all the constituencies internally in, in your shared services, but you need your business leaders as well to have to make decisions about, I don't have access to the system, how do I operate, right? When it's a business-led, business-focused, tabletop exercise, again, it goes back to this business continuity. What do I do if I don't have access to MRI, to Yardy, to whatever it is, right? Um, what, what, do I, what do I do in those, make it, again, it goes back to making it real. And you're gonna see a lot of people, the first time you go through this, with blank looks. Like I didn't think about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you don't have access to your computer. Your your um let's say your your 365 isn't isn't syncing anymore, and now I don't know who's connected to what phone number. What vendors do I have to contact? Do I have a piece of paper somewhere? <laughs> I, I can't be dependent on my my PC anymore because I can't I can't bring it up. Mm-hmm. Do I do I have everything I need and do I know what my role is? Right and how somebody's gonna communicate with me, who needs to be in the room, what questions. If, if this is being done the right way, it's the questions that are asked during the exercise that will get people thinking. And those aha moments that happen during a tabletop and they happen every time are, are great because finally people understand, now I know what I need to do You know, before the next tabletop or before an incident actually happens. And if you have those moments and you're capturing them and you're making sure people understand them, then you've really been successful. Well, by the way, I will tell you, it
2: reminds me of the old days when people used to save their business continuity plan runbook on their network, which of course then wasn't available. And they're like, now what? (laughs) So you have to make sure that it's somewhere (laughs) accessible even if your system is down. So little things like that can, can make the difference. And I will tell you one thing that I have learned throughout my career is the time of day matters. You know, when you think about tabletop exercises and preparing, if the breach or the, or the ransomware attack hits at two in the morning, that's a lot different than if it hits at 10 in the afternoon or 10 in the morning when everybody's in the office because you're waking people up, you're getting them out of bed, it's a longer response time. I mean, these are some of the things that you don't necessarily think about until you're in, in the moment. So, um, so, many, so many different variables. Uh, Sharab, what have been some of your experiences and exercises from Tabletop
4: exercises? Yeah. <clears throat> A lot of aha moments, right, for sure. Um, and hopefully, you know, every year you do it, they become less and less, right? So, what, what Tabletop does is it, it brings all the, the incident response uh, team, right that you have established as part of your response plan it brings them together uh, they understand their responsibility in that uh, in that scenario right you the idea is that after this you are prepared you're not scrambling or you're missing out on important steps because you are in as you mentioned before in a very stressful situation when an actual incident happens so a tabletop you know you run through the motions you uh you know every individual has a role you know like it's been said you have hr legal pr marketing people cfo um in smaller companies you have the owners uh be part of it it's very very important that those stakeholders are on on this uh committee they are on you know they are available at the tabletop exercise um it has to be run by a neutral party it's been mentioned earlier right it, you cannot have your uh, cio do it or you know somebody there do it it has to be done by uh, a neutral party that can give uh, an objective assessment and keep the track right it's it's very easy people get lost they start uh, diverging into all different uh, you know scenarios and, and whatnot so it's very important that someone's there quarterbacking and pulling everything in so seeing that um, you know and and The idea is that you perform this exercise. It brings a realization to the senior management that, okay, this is real. This can happen, right? That realization is kind of the the most important outcome. It kind of feeds back into the original question, right? How do you convince your management to allocate more budget and time and focus to cybersecurity? So this kind of... uh, Closes a loop on it, on that whole entire process. So this is real. This can happen, and it, it, it brings a realization to the front of their brain. You know, minds.
2: Well, with that, you know, Cecilia, you, you know, given that it's only an exercise, and senior management knows it's only an exercise, you know, how do you get them to feel that sense of urgency that this is really important because we're not just going through the motions, and this could be the difference of success and failure in a real incident.
5: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you through experience, the first, the very first time we did a tabletop exercise, the very first question I got from some of our executive team members is, oh, my God, this is a three hour exercise. Can we just (laughs) keep it to one hour? I mean, I have stuff to do. Right. (laughs) Uh, And uh, by the time we finished the exercise, it was like, wow, this is really important. Right. Because. If this happens, we really need to know what each of our roles are and how quickly we need to uh, uh, operate or react, you want to call it, right? And um, and uh, what other the third party people do we need to bring in and do we need to have on call? How we have we already established those relationships, right? Like uh, if you don't have a big uh, a legal team in-house, do you already have that legal team that is cyber, uh, that is expert in cybersecurity already lined up and ready to pick up that phone call? And hopefully you don't, you don't have it just on your computer. You also have it somewhere else where you can call them right away, right? Um, so uh, um, th- it, it's been a journey, right? Uh, so it went from we just don't have time for this to we really need to do this. And in order to make it Uh, um, successful, it's keep doing it. Keep bringing that awareness to the the very first points that we made here. Because the more people realize how real this is to the world, the more they're going to realize how important it is for their organization. And keep it relevant, right? Uh, Some of our tabletop exercises, we use uh, real scenarios, right? Not long ago, uh, one of the Main vendors for um, H HVAC systems on the operation size—they're con- the con- it, it got hacked or got breached at the controller level—that can impact operations team uh, that can impact uh, uh, facilities, right? And so if you use real life stories into your tabletop exercise, they the, the business will 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 really um, be able to feel it, right? Uh, in in and connect with it as opposed to uh, doing exercises that are not relevant. Also, I highly encourage that when you're working with that third party or with your team that's putting together that scenario, that they are very that they are very intimate with your organization and your setup. Because the last thing you want to do is put together a tabletop exercise where it's free that that has n- very little to do with the way you operate and and uh, because you're just going to lose people. Right. And my, my property manager can say, well, that doesn't even apply to my organization. Why are we talking about this? Right. Uh, so make sure that the party that you are the third party company that you engage it, it knows your organization well. Uh, and you know the part that the, the point of the tabletop exercise is to gauge how prepared we are. Uh, I, I was actually I just got out of a call with one of uh, one of our third-party um, companies that help that that helps us through this uh, uh, exercise. And, and their experiences, you know, a lot of company. What they're finding is a lot of companies they're trying to get really prepared before the tabletop exercise so that they they look really well, you know, at the exercise and that they ace the exercise. And and really the, the goal is not just to ace the tabletop exercise, but really to mimic it so that we are really prepared in an event. Um so those are my two cents in terms of how can we make tabletop exercises uh successful.
2: So you know it's interesting you mentioned you know one thing and uh, you know I know next week's um the next um is focused on operational technology and we're focusing on it but you know over the years we've seen a convergence of ot and it um with you know depending on the company ot devices are on the corporate network even though it's a separate vlan it's still you know we've got sensors all over the place and as much as you try and segment them you know there are still challenges you know can we realistically separate IT and OT with this convergence, and when it comes to strategies to protect our network, to protect our systems, to protect our corporate assets, and think about mitigation, remediation, can we realistically separate these? Um, Ian, I'll start with you.
3: Yeah, I don't think there's much... uh separation anymore at all I mean you're still subject to the same you know whether it's PR risk um, you know your reputation um, you know number one then number two you know the OT world needs to catch up with the IT world a lot of these you know older building management systems we've used this for so-and-so and 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 they you know we see vulnerabilities come out for them uh, you know all the time I mean like Cecilia said you know, one came out for HVAC systems not too long ago. So, I mean, there's just so much overlap now. I don't know how you really separate it out anymore.
5: And I think it's about awareness, right? Um, it's about working together with our operations team, our property managers and engineers to let them know or, or work together that every system pretty much nowadays is hooked up to some sort of technology right? And uh, it's it, it, it part, it part of our duties as an organization to make sure that we're thorough and that hopefully everybody's conducting a vendor risk management to, know, to, to make sure that those vendors are being compliant with your security requirements uh, and that your operations team is aware that those need to be checked at all times. So yeah, from my standpoint, I, I, I see that it that is there's a convergence between IT and OT, and it's making it very difficult for for, for there to be a separation.
2: Yeah. I, I want yeah. Don. Don yeah. Hold, on, hold on one second. I just want to because there's something that Cecilia mentioned that I want to I want to grab onto for a second before we get back to the ITOT, the cyber review aspect of. Any new technology, any new software that you bring into your network, corporate-wise or otherwise, that is so critical. And Cecilia, can you just expand on that for a second? And, and I'll give everybody a chance to as well. But that is one I can tell you, we do not engage with a new software, with a new platform without a cyber review before we consider it. So talk about that because you raise it and it's so important.
5: Yeah. So look, vendor risk management. In the past, we were talking about IT. You're thinking, oh, you know, your software company, your email company, are they they secure? But if you think about every single department from finance to marketing to operations, every tool that they touch has some sort of technology component to it, right? And so in the past, the different executives or business units will go on their own to find technology solutions that will work for them, right? But what's happening with cybersecurity, look, bad actors don't discriminate. <laughs> they just want to see where what door is available for them to enter. And so this is why it's so important to work together with the business teams to go through this vendor risk management uh, process. And hopefully as an organization, everybody's following that that mm-hmm. funnel, that channel, where you have your process and procedures, is any vendor that comes to your organization must go through this process, where you are, where you are assessing them. Yeah, either uh, do do they have a disaster recovery? Are they following cybersecurity protocols? Right. I mean, our our questionnaire is quite large, right? And and uh, and this is not, by the way, not a one one time exercise. This is. Continuous exercise
2: yeah, and I will tell you our questionnaire ranges from two to three hundred questions, and I do want to connect a dot because earlier in the when when Chuck opened up, he mentioned r e c c uh, the real estate cyber consortium, which is part of the realcom family, and i I truly you know implore and urge people if you don't know about it, go to their website, find out about it. They have a lot of good guidelines, a lot of good tips. There are other industry organizations like REBNY, the Real Estate Board of New York, that also has a cyber questionnaire. Uh, so they have a website as well. Uh, leverage the industry organizations because it's a great way, if you don't have a cyber review questionnaire, to get your hands on one and really understand some of the key questions that people are asking. So with that, I wanna go back to th- this kind of joint com this joint um, question now of the ITOT, as well as, you know, vetting vetting products. So, um, Ian, I'm going to jump to you, because we only have about five or six more minutes. So I'm going to go to Ian, um, Sharab, and then Don, I'm going to let you take us home.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the going through this whole privacy impact assessment, that's what we call it here, you know, reviewing not only from a cyber perspective, but from a privacy perspective, too. And we have, again, you know, a, a long, long list, which, you know, we require before signing a contract, you know, obviously, we'll go through legal. Um, so that kind of we inserted it into that part. So again, the vendor diligence part is, is huge. And, you know, you don't want, uh, you know, someone who's running operations or a property manager making decisions on,
4: you know, okay, is
3: this, uh, software is this badge swipe company? It, are they safe? You know, do they have they done their due diligence? I mean, so it's incumbent upon us um, to to require that and make sure that uh, you know the diligence is done, regardless of whether they're on the IT or OT side. Yeah, and to
2: your point, you know, <laughs> badge swipes when we walk into the outdoor, which is our technology on our corporate network. It's OT, even though we're really in IT. So it's that more of that convergence.
4: Uh, Sharam, yeah, I think we uh, get past that point. It is part of IT. I think it's, it's sooner we accept that, uh, you know, the better we'll be able to get a handle on it. Uh, it it's like uh, you know, IT used to say phone systems are not ours, right? Mm-hmm. And today nobody questions that anymore, <clears throat> right? It's part of IT. Um, you know, the, the other question you mentioned, you know, that they pick up their own, you know, building management will try to choose their own software or, or products. Uh, in IT, it's called shadow IT, right? You have people trying to get their own, uh, get a credit card, sign up for something, or the trial, and off you go. And suddenly you have all this, uh, you have a big risk, a whole. So the, we have to have standardization risk assessment, you know, new software, new product, third party, under risk assessment applied across the board, obviously modified for maybe OT needs, you know, a different template or whatever that is. But in general, the controls, the, the checks and balances have to go across the board. As long as it's technology, it will infiltrate one way or the other across the board. So I think we are at that inflection point already.
3: And I found it really helpful from our experience to kind of inject that process right there with legal because, you know, forever people are sending contracts through legal. And if they can somewhat be your gatekeeper, then that makes sure that you're getting in up front and can,
4: you know, influence the decision there. This came up uh, at RealCom, uh, We did a panel on uh, third party risk assessment. Uh, IT is coming in after the contracts are signed, and uh, you know you gotta. This is going in place. Make it happen, right? Uh, the culture has to change, where like Ian said, IT becomes the the, the vendor risk assessment becomes part of contract negotiation before uh, somebody signs the dotted line. That has to happen.
2: And and Don, I'm gonna add one more layer to your answer. So I'm gonna. You know, a three part question. You know, as we think about the 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 cyber review. How much does the NITS framework play into that and directly apply to to our industry?
0: So you have have a three-part question now. Okay. On the IT-OT side, I'm going to be a little contrarian. Um, And I'm going to tell you that if your expectation is that your IT team is going to manage your OT networks, um, you may be mistaken in their capability to do that. Monitoring IT, monitoring OT, totally different. OK, <clears throat> your IT um, specialist monitor, monitor your I and, and configure and patch and do everything on your IT systems. Building system engineers manage the OT, right? They're the ones that have the keys to the kingdom, those vendors that manage those. Um, they are a very different skill set. OK, and so let's let's make sure we understand that it isn't necessarily a natural thing for IT to manage OT. It's a little unnatural. It takes some training and it, it may be a good idea. It may not be. You may want to separate them out because they may be, there may be different skill sets you need to manage each one of those. IT systems are around for a couple of years. OT are around forever. Okay. So we, I think we need to be really careful and hopefully next week we'll get into that on the OT side. Um, right, except for the of, Windows 7 machine. I don't care what you are, but if you're still running on a Windows 7
2: machine, you need to get that out of your network. You,
0: you need to get that, but but they're still there, right? Yep. And then to, to replace them is not simple or cheap. And are you going to spend the money to do that? Because it may not just be a PC you have to replace. It may be a whole the whole infrastructure. Okay. So so let's be aware of that. On the NIST side, real quickly, because I know we're running up against time. Um NIST and, and the CIS um, a framework, right, the, the critical top 18 um, <clears throat> threats there, they're, those are all important. They mostly address the IT side. There are uh, OT now, you have um, building cybersecurity, and you have others starting to address the OT side much more. Um, so I think, you know, again, that's for next week, but you definitely need the framework um, for your... For your IT and um, NIST is is great. If you're international, ISO 27K is really important. Um, but as a practical matter, that CIS Top 18, those are really good to look at, right? Because they can be made really real um, for for folks in your organization at the more executive level. So we have about, I'm going to ask one real quick
2: question to everybody as we run out of, just about run out of time. If you could share one lesson in one sentence about cybersecurity, what would it be? Uh, Sharab, I'm going to start with you. One Uh, sentence real quick. um,
4: Ongoing governance and continuous improvement. Ian.
3: I always say try to make them hit a moving target.
2: See how you.
5: Ah, you guys are taking all of my, my one liners. Uh, let's see. Um, be prepared that the business will bring uh, on board new vendors without notifying you. Uh, it is a journey, and that you're going to need to involve many different parties.
0: Don. I think it's where we started. Cybersecurity is everyone's job in your business and your personal life.
2: Thank you, panel. Great. And I will add one thing, that as IT members that are responsible for cyber, we can't look at something that we've seen before and assume that it's benign. We have to treat everything as a risk, because when you take it for granted, that's when you're going to get caught. So, panel, I got to tell you, it's been great. We could have, you know, talked for another 30, 40, 50 minutes easily. Uh, you guys have been fabulous. The insights have been fabulous. So I can't
1: thank you enough for letting me letting me join. And Chuck, I turn it back to you. All right, good. I, I, I just have one quick one, quick question, I think, for for Don and Sir Robin. It can, you know, you can be short with it. But I'm curious if on any of your building assessments that you went into the building and said, you don't need to do anything. It's perfect. Have you actually run into a building like that, that was already perfect when you first walked in?
0: Yes, and that just happened to us. I'm not gonna say where, and I'm not gonna say who, and you know why? Nothing was connected.
4: <laughs> Still under construction.
0: <laughs> it was perfect. We said, don't change a thing and you'll be fine. <laughs> Got it. They, they poured- on is that
5: really water. realistic, right? Is that really realistic? It
0: happened. I'm, I'm telling you, it happened, and it was like, hey, we're done. Good. One hey, in a million. Saramjit, have you had one that didn't
1: require anything?
4: No, no, okay. uh, unless you pour concrete or all Ethernet cables, you know.
1: I, just, I say that to our listening audience as a, maybe as a preview of next, next week when we get into the OT cyber, uh, because uh, if you think your building is not, uh, doesn't have any issues, uh, you're probably wrong. As there's more than likely one or multiple issues. So, again, thank you, Sandy. Thank you to our panelists and your valuable contributions today. Wow. I, I also want to thank the live audience for being active, being participating in our polls, and uh, I do encourage you to constantly do that. Feel free to reach out to any of our panel on uh, social media. I think you'll find everyone on LinkedIn for sure. Uh, maybe you have other uh, social media. Uh, points. But whether you've joined us live or you're even watching this as a recording on a a later date, just thank you for for listening and thank you for tuning in. And be sure to register for our next webinars. uh, Our cybersecurity and privacy series will now have OT cybersecurity. That's coming up next week on the 15th, followed by privacy uh, which uh, will be hosted by uh, our own uh, Jim Young. So, and also be sure to register for Cortex, that's happening November 15th in Silicon Valley. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, when we cover IT, OT and privacy, we've addressed the cybersecurity issue pretty thoroughly and uh, hopefully our, uh, our our realcom followers will be able to get a lot out of it. So that's it for us today. We wish you well, be safe, be secure, And now you can go watch uh, Pinocchio. How about that? So,
0: (laughs) all right. Thank you. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.